my dad was a hard worker. That's, a, that's an absolute fact, but hard work doesn't always equate to success. Welcome to the Dean Graziosi Show. All success starts right here. That hustle, because you and I do share that similar persona about hustling. And were you born into that? The idea of, you know, must be what I can be. I'm going to make this stuff happen from a very young age. You know, I don't know if I was born into it. You know, I think, I mean, my dad was a hard worker. That's a, that's an absolute fact, but hard work doesn't always equate to success. You know, my, my dad struggled financially most of his life. Um, I retired my dad in my thirties and I love it. I retired my mom in my thirties as well. Um, one of the greatest gifts, you know, to be able to do that for your parents is huge. But I think, I think we all have to come out and just be honest with why or why we should be hustling, right? Like if I really boil it down, everybody's like, you know, I've always been, go I've always, I, I never took no as the answer. I kept moving forward. And I'd love to say, cause I aligned my chakras and I knew where my future is and I had a compelling future. I was just running away from not wanting to be my dad. Like just being honest, my dad worked his tail off every day. He worked on cars. He sucked fumes. He had dirty fingernails. He'd get tired. He'd get frustrated. And there, he didn't have much to show for it. And, and I'm not knocking a blue collar, hardworking guy. I give him, I, I wouldn't be the man I am if my dad wasn't there. But man, I watched my dad be frustrated, go through four marriages, be unhappy, fight with people because he was internally unhappy. And I was just running away from that. And if a brick wall got in my way, I would chew through it. If steel got in my way, I'd melt it. And it wasn't because I'm aligned. And I, sometimes I didn't know where my compelling future was, but I sure knew if I didn't do anything where my future was going to be, if I stayed and did what my dad did. If I did what my dad did, did what my cousins did, did what a lot of my family did, I would have what they have. And they just didn't seem happy, David. Like, it just didn't seem like, like, this is what I want to aspire to. Hell no. So sometimes, you know, people say it's not healthy. I, I call that BS. If sometimes you have to say, if I don't get my ass moving, if I don't hustle, if I don't learn from people who've already been there, if I don't take uncomfortable, imperfect action, if I don't mess up moving forward, I know where my life's going to be. And I'm not accepting that. And if that's what it takes to get, you know, the rocket off the ground, then, then use it. And I love that. You, you know, it's interesting because there's a transition that a lot of great entrepreneurs can't make. And that's one that I was fearful of making myself as I got into my, you know, late forties, early fifties. That's okay. I finally learned how to do this myself. I've done it twice now, make some real money, but can I teach somebody else? Yeah. Can I be of value? And that insecurity, I know it's a conversation we had in the past, but it, it really held up and it was supported by what other people think. They were telling me, you know, because I can sell, I know that, but I didn't have confidence in what I was selling anymore when it was me. The same yeah. way, you know, I'd sold everything else, Warren Moon, Troy Aikman, Steve Young, no problem. I, who can't sell those guys? But Dave Meltzer? And I had a problem we, and you helped me so much because you said, Dave, you know, there's other guys that probably felt that way that changed your life. And if they didn't stand on a stage and sell their help, where would you be, bro? And, so true. and that changed my life. And it, it's this uh, transition that was interesting for you. Did you ever go through that self-doubt from, look, I did this all myself, but Am I just conning these guys that I can teach them how to do what I did? Or do I really believe in what I'm teaching can change yeah. lives? 
Yeah, no, I, I was always extremely confident with what I was going to teach. No, I'm lying. Yeah. I, I'm completely lying. <laughs> I was scared to death. I felt like, you know, they use the term now imposter, like imposter syndrome. Yeah. I invented imposter syndrome. Like, like I barely graduated high school. I had dyslexia. I barely showed up for high school in 12th grade. I don't have an hour of college, right? My IQ is not the highest. I didn't read many books before I graduated high school. I think I read one book from cover to cover. True story. Cause I had dyslexia so bad. It would frustrate me. Then all of a sudden I'm 28 years old filming an infomercial for a product where I'm going to help people be successful. I mean, not only was my inner doubt, like imposter, you're full of crap. I had friends and family going like, you're going to teach like, like as they snicker. Right. Yeah. But, but, and you have to fight that because David, I guess the best question all of us could ask is David, what would it be worth to you right now? If you could go back and spend two days with your 20 year old self. Yeah. Think about that. How many mistakes have we made brother? Yeah. You know, how many, Still. how many, how many times have we let opportunity pass us by because we let self doubt talk us. And now that we're, how old are you, David? I'm 52. Okay. I'm 52 next week. So we're the same exact age. How many times have we let opportunity go by because our parents or that voice inside said, no, 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 that's not safe. You got to play it safe. And now you could, I mean, if you could be with that 20 year old self and said, don't listen to those voices, don't listen to limiting beliefs. Don't take too much chance. Here's the perfect balance. Here's how to sell. Here's how to focus on solutions. Like all these magical things right now, David, there's somebody starting off with things that you forgot that you could help them as you do exponentially grow with an hour with a sentence, with one, no, no, don't do it this way, do it that way. And when we start to realize that, we realize that, that that knowledge is such power, right? And we allow people to get off the sidelines. Like so many people, you know, are sitting in the stands. I know Ed Milet says this a lot too, our buddy, is so many people are sitting in the stands wishing they could be in the game, but they have someone else's name on the back of their jersey, right? Yeah. They're dying to be in the game though. Not, it's great being a spectator, but they have the envy and jealousy of being in the game when really it takes, it would take somebody like you, David, to go, no, no, you're only stuck because of this. I know I was stuck in my thirties because of this. Imagine you get the ability to unstick people, to give them a path. And, and I don't think there could be anything more rewarding in the world, whether you want to do it as a business and do podcasts and coaching and training, or you just want to help others. I, I don't know if there's anything better. I agree. And one of the things about that is helping other people identify what they're afraid of. And I see your career as someone who's very introspective about fear. And so I was hoping you could share with us kind of how you identify that ego-based consciousness called fear, primary, secondary fear, whatever it is. Because if we can get rid of not only our own voices, but you know the voices of what's missing in our life and the voices of those people that they say uh, love us the most, family and friends, who even the smallest snicker is like a jagger to your heart. If it's yeah. a, someone in your family, you know, a friend can tell you you're an idiot, but oh my gosh, if someone in your family says, that's a dumb idea, you spend nights, I, I have yeah. at least worried about it. How do we identify? Cause I think that's the key component. I love teaching people. You need to identify what you're afraid of first. Cause if you don't know what you're fighting against, wh wh where are you going to be? Yeah. So here's, here's what I think. I think we all, and there's nothing I'm sharing right now that you haven't heard before. I'm going to ask you to listen for the first time again through fresh ears, 
because at 52, David and I have been around the block a little bit and I wish someone would have shaken me. And, and this is something I taught my dad in his 70s. So you could be any age and really get it. My dad had heard it for 60 years and at 72, it just freaking hit him. And he lives, he's 85 now thriving because he made these shifts. But what will limit you, and you know this, is the story you tell yourself that delivers the fear, the thoughts around it, right? We know that. If Henry Ford said, if you believe you can, you will. If you believe you can't, you won't, right? We know that. But really understand the perspective of your thoughts. I'm going to tell a quick story here. Two restaurants in Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah. They're on the same street. They're three miles apart. A, a, a friend of mine, Randy Garn. I don't know if you know Randy, yeah, one of the greatest very people. Very well. He's a good friend right? of mine too, of course. So these two restaurants, COVID hits. They both shut down. One restaurateur is mad, got his arms crossed, blaming COVID, blaming Chinese, blaming Trump, blaming that the PPP money didn't come through, shuts the door, so I can't believe this, arms crossed, said, they better open this crap back up. Three miles down the road, same circumstance, same COVID, same state, same road, same industry. Nothing's different except the thoughts. One thought, it was the end. The other thought it was a beginning. He got his two brothers, went to Home Depot. They built an outside place for people to do a drive-through. They moved stuff around the inside of the restaurant to be six feet apart. And within three days, there was a half a mile line getting his barbecue takeout. I could picture in five years, one guy says, COVID ruined my life. The other guy says, COVID, we have 37 stores now and they're all drive-throughs. So someone else's end is someone else's beginning, not because of anything else other than their perception of the situation, their thoughts. So how important is it? It's everything. And remember, your next level lives on the other side of the thing you fear the most. So my last hack here is just think about this. Do you really want to give that fear the power to hold your life back? You've already have missed opportunities. You already regret some things in your life. We all do. And no, life happens for you. That's the journey you're supposed to be on. But how many more missed opportunities? How long are you going to play the rules by someone else's game? How long are you going to let fear be the captain of your ship? Because that fear is only, is the thing standing between you and your next level. So you can either fuel it and give it power, or you can identify and go, holy crap, that fear has been a story. And remember, they don't make statues of critics. That's not my saying, but it's so true. <laughs> yeah, they make statues that. of the crazy people, the ones that overcome the fear, the ones that take uncomfortable, imperfect action, especially in a time right, like right now. I mean, right now the world needs leaders. The world needs role models. You, you can't be sitting, cowering, letting fear eat you up. I know it's scary. And, and I don't have a better button to kill fear or David than you. There's no magic wand. You just got to look at it and say, am I going to let that story hold me back from creating the drive-through or sitting with my arms crossed waiting for people to fix it from the outside world? Because the last thing I'll say is, I don't care who you care about as elections, living here in the United States, there's no one coming to save us. There's no one going to wave a magic wand and make you wealthy or pay off your loans or start your company. This is on us. And once you realize it, it's the most liberating thing in the world. If you live to the end of your life and you don't take action and you get to make your maker and go, ah, I kind of lived an okay life, that's on you. That's nobody else's fault. You want to take that burden, you can carry that right now. Or you can get to the end of your life and go, I squeezed the juice out of life. I failed. I got mud in my face. I got kicked, but I went after it. You get to decide that today. Yeah, and you should. And accountability does give you complete control, which is that great lesson that you teach. The last side of you that I love that's so similar to me too is we're spiritual, we're motivational, we're inspirational, but we also are very pragmatic and system oriented. And I am 
you know, a freak when it comes to organizations, systems, efficiency, statistical success, analyzing what's going on. And so are you. I've watched, I studied and listened to you. You're a mentor of mine, as I say. We, it's fun now that we're all virtual because so many people are mentors of each other by far. Yeah. And we have no idea that, you know, I'm, I'm a total stalker on Dean Graziosi's stuff. <laughs> I'm watching all the time. I just got to be careful not to let it get too deep. That I'm repeating what you say, but just. Uh, no, it all is good, man. It all happens. I know. I, I can't. I got to so. tell you, you're probably going to hear 60 times. They don't make statues of critics. And uh, that is an amazing statement. But creating systems are so important to me. Where does it fall for you as far as getting to where you want to go? Well, especially think about this. I know this is a simple analogy, but would you ever play a baseball game if you didn't have a scorecard? Right? <laughs> How do you know if you're winning the game if you're not measuring what's working and what's not? I know this is an oversimplification, but Randy Garn, our dear friend, takes us fly fishing uh, up uh, in Idaho. And I went with a whole bunch of guys who were all competing. And I used to fly fish with my grandfather when I was a kid. And he meant a lot to me. He died when I was 11. I hadn't fly fished in a long time. I really wanted to do good. I wanted to win this challenge. And I'm going to use a silly analogy. As we were fishing, nobody was catching fish. And they were fishing faster. Like maybe if I keep going. And I kept analyzing that if I, if I walked up to the water, the fish would see me and swim away. So I started crawling up. I measured what was working and what was not. I realized that if I landed right behind a rock or, or a log where the water was churning, I'd get a bite right away. So I started landing there. I started realizing that if I had slack in my fly rod, in the, in the, in a, why am I talking about this? It'll make sense. If I had slack in the line when the fish bit, I didn't have time to like stick the hook. Now, no, no fish was hurt. They were all returned with love. But what I realized in this little thing, in this little time when I'm fishing with 12 entrepreneurs and I ended up catching more fish than all of the rest of them combined. And they're like, oh my God, you're a magical fisherman. I'm like, no, I'm not. I haven't fly fished in 20 years. You know what I did? I obsessed on what was working. I measured it and I did less of it. <laughs> this, is the, this is the depth of my IQ guys. <laughs> but I also measured what was working and I did more of it. And that's how you run a marketing department. Which marketing is working? Do more of it. What isn't? Tweak it or throw it away. And as simple as that sounds, I sometimes consult for big companies and their marketing is not measuring. They have no yardstick. They have no scorecard. So they don't know if they're winning the game. So we could talk about a lot of that. But what David said is so important. How do you know if you're winning? If you want to lose weight, you measure how much weight you're losing. But in business, sometimes we'll just say, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better. Well, what are you bouncing that up against? How are you measuring against the control? And, um, you know, when you put those pieces in, in place, you get exponential growth. If you like today's podcast, then you're going to love being a part of my texting community. What's that mean? You could text me right now at 480-400-9019, or it should be below right here. And it comes directly to my phone. It doesn't go to my team. It comes to me. I've been absolutely loving the interaction. I send out some cool things. About once a week, I text nothing but things to get your week going, to get your mind thinking. And when we have new videos and things like that, I always text my community first. It has absolutely been a blast. And I'd love for you to do it right now. Text me, 480 400 9019. Do it. Text me.